Hi, my name is Ruth, and my single-minded story is necessary. In some ways, in some churches, divorce and remarriage are conflated. Um, Whereas in some churches, divorce is seen as uh, a necessary provision, but remarriage is seen as a bit more problematic. You're signing your kids into kids' church, but you're aware that you don't have a ring on your finger and, you know, potentially they're only going to be there every second week and it's just kind of awkward and and then you're walking into church and you're sitting on your own and you feel like everybody's staring at you and hi everyone uh, my name is Danny Trueweek and welcome to another episode of single-minded stories brought to you by single-minded we're a ministry all about producing resources about singleness that equip Christians, encourage Christian communities, and shape Christian culture. Which means this podcast, Single Minded Stories, is a podcast about singleness, but it is for everyone. In each episode, we chat with one of our guests about the joys, the challenges, the opportunities, and the growth that have been part of their single-minded story, and most importantly, part of their life with Jesus. Today, I have with me Ruth, Thanks for coming on, Ruth, and being willing to share your single-minded story with us. Pleasure. At the top of the episode, you gave us your little hint about what your single-minded story has been like, so I'm excited to discover that on the way through, um, why you described your story that way. But for a moment, uh, just tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a bit about who Ruth is. Okay, well, I'm 51. And so I was um, born and grew up through the 1970s in the north of England to very hippie parents. And so just to give you a sense of what my upbringing was like, as a toddler, I was dragged around on a bus with a theatre company. Wow, Um, I did not know this. This is fascinating. (laughs) I I was accidentally blessed by the Pope, which is amazing because my parents are committed atheists. Wow. Um, And later I was a goat herder in Ireland. So that gives you a kind of sense of the bizarre sort of life that I've had. Um, Then I kind of, I was the one who ran away from the circus and got a proper job. So (laughs) then I became an environmental consultant and that's what eventually led me to moving to Australia in my late 20s, still as as an atheist myself. Um, And what I see now looking back is that God was preparing me. uh, And through a a sort of whole journey, I became a Christian in my mid-30s. And now I live a a much more boring life in Western Sydney with my two kids and my my two dogs. (laughs) Okay, so Spoiler alert to everyone who's listening here. I know Ruth well. Like we've known each other for quite a few years. <laughs> I knew none of that. I no. did not know about the theatre company. I did not know about the hippie parents or the Pope. And I did not know about the goat herding. Yeah. I, I like to bring them out at parties just as conversation <laughs> starters. Just, just tell us a little bit more about how you became a Christian then. You said in your mid-30s from a, an atheist family background um, a hippie atheist family background to a Christian in Australia in your mid thirties. Just tell us a bit more about that. Look, I, I think I was always sort of interested in spirituality, or you know, a a God, a Creator, God. Bizarrely, when I went to university, uh, I had to pick a third subject, and I almost picked theology, strangely enough, um, and then picked archaeology instead. 
there's lots of little points where I had what I thought were random conversations or uh, little pointers happened that was sort of leading me in God's direction. And when I first got married, I moved out to Western Sydney and knew nobody out here. Uh, and I knew enough about church to know that that's where you go and form some kind of community. You go and meet people. Um, and so I went into my local church and that's where I heard the gospel for the first time. Um, and without meaning to, was a, a Christian within three months because it was not at all what I expected to hear. And it completely overturned everything that I thought I knew about Christianity and about Jesus. What was the thing that struck you the most about Jesus that was unexpected as you got to know him? I had no idea that the Old Testament prophesied about Jesus. I had no idea. In the atheist world, Jesus is a really good guy, but then which Paul took his teaching and kind of made it Paul's own. And, you know, that's that's the story that atheists or me as an atheist understood. Um, when I heard the gospel and it became very, very clear that the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus were not only very clear, but very specific, like so specific, that really blew my mind. And that's what drove me to kind of go, well, clearly I need to know more about this because the idea that I had about this is completely wrong. Um, and so that drove me into church history and from church history into a much deeper reading of the Gospels and then from the Gospels into Christianity Explained and then from there into actually giving my life to Jesus. Wow, amazing. I love hearing how Jesus works in all sorts of ways to bring people to him, um, often in very unexpected ways. During that, Ruth, you mentioned you got married and moved to the western suburbs of Sydney, Australia. But we have you on a podcast called Single-Minded Stories. Why? Why am I why are we talking to you today? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Guess what happened? <laughs> so, I um I got divorced about five and a half years ago. And I was actually working at church at the time. I had stepped away from my day job and when I had children also started volunteering and then working at my local church and the marriage broke down in irretrievable ways. And so then I actually had to step away from church as well because divorce is awful for the people involved, but it also has a ripple effect into your immediate circles as well, which includes your church. It's sort of Oh, even though you don't ask them to join side to pick sides, it, it, it does sort of force people into those uh, uncomfortable situations. And so at the time, it was easier to extract myself from that situation. Um, and I sort of bounced around a few churches. And at the time, that was really traumatic because I lost my marriage with that marriage when my in-law family, because all my family are in England, um, I also then lost my church and my church family. Um, and so it was a very um, uh, wilderness time, I guess. Um, but I look back on it now and think, well, that that actually mirrored the spiritual journey I was on. I was uh, I was in that really dark place trying to work out 
who I was in this kind of new experience and how this was going to work and what I was going to do. And, and I knew even at that point that um, my conscience told me that I, th- this was it. I was never going to be married again. And I want to be careful how I talk about this because I know this is not the view of, of all people. Um, it was just for my conscience, when I read the Gospels, when I read Matthew, it became like a very peaceful instinct in my heart that you, you don't remarry. Uh, and that was my personal conscience. And I want to I say that very clearly. I have absolutely no judgment on anybody who doesn't read it like that. And I don't even I don't have judgment for anybody who gets divorced and and just doesn't want to live alone. Like it's a, it's a very hard existence, especially with children. So I just want to make clear that it, it was my personal conscience that said, right, I, I can't be married again. So this is it. Because uh, if you can't get married, there's no point being in a romantic relationship of any kind. Um, so I was facing a long, hopefully long future of being single, being a single parent. But that was part of the road of healing and working out who I was. And and that, I feel, was really mirrored in sort of bouncing around, being at different churches, uh, meeting different people in a new network. The thing I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, though, is even in the darkest, darkest days, and it was a very dark time, God was absolutely the closest to me that I've ever felt before. Um, I had absolutely zero doubt that he was just with me in the darkness. Um, and that was an immense comfort. I just, I talked to him all the time over that period. And so that's something that I, I remember back as being such a prominent part of that journey into singleness was God's presence. And how many how many years had you been a Christian by that stage? You were an adolescent Christian at that point. You weren't still a baby Christian. Yeah. I was actually, because when I first became a Christian, I was in my uh, sort of early mid thirties, and and I remember I felt like I'd missed such a lot. Like everybody else had been to church all their lives, and they'd been to youth group, and they'd been to youth camp, and they'd been to like everything. They'd been to church for years, and so um, at the time. I read everything I could and I did all the online more college courses and and then um, started part-time Bachelor of Theology at uh, Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Um, so I was soaking in a lot in a very short space of time. But still, uh, in terms of Christian formation, yeah, had only been a Christian for a relatively short time, um, had been a Christian really for about four 15 years, 13, 13, 15 years, something like that, which sounds like a long time. But in terms of Christian formation is is not that long, really. If You're right. You consider that a sort of youth group <laughs> <Yeah>. age <laughs> Christian. And the funny thing is that, you know, for those of us who did grow up Christian, go, you know, 15 was 13 to 15 were kind of the years of rebellion. That's when you started pushing back. <laughs> Whereas yes. for you, you know, um, they were – it sounds like you then hit a really difficult and dark period, but actually rather than them being it being a period of rebellion, it was a period which God is clearly was clearly deeply at work in your heart and your life. Yeah. Deeply. Deeply. And and I remember at the time 
you know, people people say, you know, like, get back on the horse, you know, go out and party and, you know, and it was just like, I just, I just don't want to. And and part of that is obviously there's there's trauma that comes with a, with a breakup like that. Um, but also all I wanted to do was sit and be with Jesus. Like that's that's where I felt my comfort. It's where I felt my strength. It's where I just was, it, it was everything at that point. Um, quite separate to, look, my conscience is telling me that I, I can't go out partying anyway. Um, it just was not what my heart was seeking anyway. Hey, Ruth, thank you for sharing that with us. It's not easy to talk about the really difficult, dark times in life. So thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable that way um, and sharing that with us. You may have already you may have already dived into this a bit, but um, I wanted to ask you what have been some of the the challenges and the complexities of your singleness. You know, you've been single now for how many years? Five and a half years. Okay. So during that time, what have been some of the the challenges and the complexities of your singleness and, and what has faithfulness looked like for you during that time? It's a really good question because on the surface, there's some really easy answers like single parenting is challenging. The other thing is, is that there are choices that you make as a single person, which um, you have the freedom to to make. But if I make choices as a single person, I have two dependents who I have to think about. And so th- that means I have to work through and develop a level of wisdom about what I'm choosing to do. So for example, um, I could fill all my extra time doing lots more kingdom work outside my my day job, outside my tent making job. Um, but that's not necessarily wise um, in taking time away from my kids. So I have to be really balanced in my approach to what is honorable, but what is wise. It's, it's sort of really steward, stewarding my time um, between my primary ministry, which is the boys, and secondary ministries and not falling into the trap of thinking that my secondary ministries are actually my primary ministries. Um, so that's, that's a real sort of complexity um, and, and requires a deeper exploration of faithfulness as well. That was why I was really thankful when you said yes to being on this podcast because I think we typically think single-minded stories, single Christian, never married, um, but actually the circumstances and complexities of singleness in the church is much, much more diverse than that. Um, and I think single parents in particular are often just not on the radar of um, of our thinking about singleness in the church uh, both from a you know a sort of theological perspective, but also a pastoral perspective. So um, thank you for giving an insight into some of the unique complexities and challenges you face as a, as a single mum, a single Christian mum. No, and I think it's a really good point though, because you know there's there's a lot of us about, um, and it in different circumstances it's easy for all of us to fall away from church, right? But I think. Um, the experience of the single parent can mean that there are very easy ways that a single parent can fall away from church and or become isolated from church. And so um, I'm, I'm very keen on exploring the different ways that we can enfold single parents um, because in theory there should be more of us in church because it's the place that we're going to find a new community and a new family. 
So I think it's 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 very timely. I think it's very pastorally timely, given how many single parents there are in our, our kind of modern context. And there's also, um, I, I've, I've talked before about the fact that there are many functionally single people and parents in church too. So people, men and women who are married, but perhaps married to a non-Christian who doesn't come along to church, they might have children who they bring to church. And so their experience of Christian life, they're not single because they are married, but functionally they experience life within the church as kind of a single parent in some ways. Um, so that's, you know, that's another demographic that we, we need to be proactive about thinking through. This podcast is a ministry of the Single-Minded Ministry. Here at Single-Minded, we develop faithful resources about singleness that equip Christians, encourage Christian communities, and shape Christian culture. We'd love you to be part of that. So check out our free resource library and upcoming events, subscribe to our podcast, join our mailing list, and spread the word about Single-Minded. You can also help make our Single-Minded vision a reality by partnering with us financially. Our ministry relies on the generous financial support of our community. So to make a regular or one-off financial gift, visit www.singleminded.community forward slash give. Okay, you've talked to us about challenges and complexities. Um, let's get happy for a minute. Uh, what have been some of the ways that God has blessed you and blessed others in and through your singleness? One of the first things that came to mind was when we met Danny um, because I was trying to find, I don't know if you remember this, but I was trying to hunt out books on how to be single again when your um, lifestyle choice, if your your conscience choice is to not be married again. So I knew I was going to be single and celibate forever. And I knew that you had done lots of work on singleness. This was before even single-minded, I think, but you were still very active in this space. And so I reached out to you to say, do you know any books on on this? Because all the books that I'm finding are about when is it right to date again? And there doesn't seem to be anything on just being single. Um, and you just went, I, no, there, I, I don't think there is anything, but let's meet up for coffee. And, um, and we did. And that has happened sort of a, a lot as I've reached out to people and then from meeting you, I've met other people. And, and so this network has grown. Um, and so I've been so encouraged and learned such a lot from different single people in different contexts and then taking ideas of what applies itself in my context. Um, that's been an enormous blessing. Um, and then because I'm sort of filling my cup with all that knowledge and encouragement and experience, I can then take that into other contexts and and try and bless others and answer their questions and, and pastor to other people who are in my situation. And so that that's been huge. And I think the the other thing has been just the time as much as I've said, you know, I I need wisdom around what is my primary and secondary ministries. Uh, as a secondary ministry, I, you know, because I, I write and, and speak and, and sort of do various things and having the time to do that, again, enormous blessing 
because there are those points where the boys go to sleep. Um, it's not often, <laughs> but it does happen. Excellent. Um, and there are times when I am not picking up wet towels from the floor and doing food preparation. Um, but it, it's meant that I can explore lots of things about being single, about being divorced, about being a woman, uh, about being a complementarian, lots of facets of my experience that then I can uh, channel through writing with a specific view to really a specific focus on helping women particularly feel confident about what they believe and why they believe it. And, uh, And I think in an age where the world is really hemming us in and telling us to not feel confident about what we believe and that what we believe is wrong. Uh, I feel like that's a very worthy ministry and God has blessed me with the time to do that. Yeah, which you feel perhaps wouldn't have been the case if life had turned out differently and you hadn't ended up divorced. I think so, bizarrely. Mm. I mean, it's it's Paul, isn't it? You know, if, if uh, stay single. Mm. Um, if you, if basically, if you want to be an itinerant preacher, <laughs> uh, because if you're married, there are other things that, are going to claim your attention. Um, and so I'm kind of in this halfway place as I'm, you know, I'm divorced. Um, so that gives me a bit more time, but I'm a parent. So, you know, I, I have to tread that line between, but I, th- I think definitely um, there are things that I can do now that I've been afforded the freedom to do. And that feels like, not that I know the mind of God, but it feels like an obedient thing to do. It feels like a faithful thing to do doesn't feel like a bad thing to do oh no not at all and I mean well (laughs) certainly not because I can you know confirm what you've said personally myself you know if I was married I wouldn't be able to do not just time wise but emotional energy wise brain capacity wise a lot of the things that I do but I have also benefited from your ministry and what you know since knowing you over the last five years or so um, I've been able to see the way that God has uh, been at work uh, in and through you, um, in and through your singleness to bless others. And so, you know, that itself has been a blessing to me too. At the beginning of the episode, you talked to us about your single-minded story being one of necessity. Was that the mm. word you used? I did. I said it was necessary. Necessary. Yeah. And when I say necessary, I don't mean that in any way as a negative thing. But when I thought about that question, you know, what is the what is the adjective that describes my journey? And I just feel this very settled sense of peace that my singleness based on what I've read in the Bible is just necessary you know in in Matthew 19 when Jesus is asked about marriage and divorce and so on I I, you know I read that and I feel this very calm sense of peace that okay I'm just not going to be married again and so my singleness is therefore necessary but I don't see that as at all negative and as I say I you know different people don't read Matthew 19 that way, or there's, you know, there's room for different types of divorces and, you know, neglect and adultery and so on. But I I guess my gut was just telling me if I try and pick and choose the right type of divorce that would allow me to go and be in another relationship, it felt like I would be minimizing what Jesus was saying or trying to, do you know what I mean? Trying to put Mm. boxes around it or boundaries around it so that I can just be on the right side of, of theology. Um, and I, I just felt an enormous sense of peace when I read that and just thought, no, this is, 
this is it. I'll just be I'll just be single and celibate and and that'll be it. What a kindness from God that through you know the the darkness of divorce um which is never a good thing um regardless yeah. of necessary circumstances Absolutely. that actually might lead to it at times you know divorce itself is never a good thing but what a kindness from God that um on the other side of that for you has been a contentment and a peace in the single life that he has now called you to uh, you know that's um a really powerful testimony so thank you for sharing that with us no not at all because i know you know and it has been it has been said to me in the past well god hates divorce and and i can hand on heart say i i i, I get why because it's awful uh divorced people would know more than anybody else why god would hate it because it's it's a terrible thing um but in his mercy he gave us this provision of divorce. It's not a gift. It's not, you know, it's a provision. Uh, and he even says it in Matthew 19, actually, because you, your hearts were hard. You know, it's it's something we needed because we're broken. It takes people through that journey of knowing him to know, what, you know, where should I be on the other side of this? And and I'm very grateful. Can, can you imagine how awful it would be to be theologically convicted that you shouldn't be married again, but to feel a deep yearning? Yeah for a companion. I think it's very gracious of God um, to have given me that sense of peace. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are people listening to this who would be putting themselves in that position where they they, they are divorced and deeply long um, for that. Which brings me to my next question. In what ways has your church community been part of your single-minded story? Different churches have different views. I think it's fair to say that we're at a bit of a hinge moment, I think, in how divorce is viewed. And in some ways, in some churches, divorce and remarriage are conflated. Um, whereas in some churches, divorce is seen as uh, a necessary provision, but remarriage is seen as a bit more problematic. Um, in other churches, neither is, you know, looked down on and pastorally people are, are, are very much uh, walked alongside. Um, and so it can be, it can be a quite a tricky thing to navigate. Um, and I'll give you an example actually is I, I get approached to speak at women's events. And um, if it's a church that uh, is not known to me, they haven't dealt with me before. I always email back and say, lovely, thank you for asking, but you do know that I'm divorced. Um, and, uh, look, it's probably about 50, 50 that people say, ah, I don't think our minister's going to be okay with that. Um, and other times people say, yeah, we know we've read your blog. It's okay. Um, uh, I think, and, and the general feel is if I was remarried, then that would be, you know, theologically a bit more opaque for people to deal with. But, you know, even so some, some people are a bit like, oh, I'm really sorry, this is really embarrassing, but as a divorced person, we we can't invite you to speak. The church that I'm in, um, our senior minister and his wife are just amazing. They are, they're just divine. And most of the people that I've dealt with have been absolutely terrific. I got to say, actually, the the people who have uh, have been uncomfortable with it, thankfully, are in the minority. And I think that's given me the confidence to 
stand a bit straighter in church? Because when you first go to church as a single mum, it is a bit tricky, right? You're signing your kids into kids' church, but you're aware that you don't have a ring on your finger and, you know, potentially they're only going to be there every second week and it's just kind of awkward and and then you're walking into church and you're sitting on your own and you feel like everybody's staring at you and actually nobody's thinking about you at all. They're thinking about what are they going to get at the shops after church? Um, but it feels like you've got this big label on you. Um, but because of how people have been at my church and other churches I've been to, but at, at my church, that's really given me the confidence. And I now, I sit at the very front of the auditorium. And that's that's partially because I'm like, no, I'm not going to care if I've got a big label over my head. I'm just going to sit at the front. But also because as a single mum, I can't serve in a lot of capacities outside of Sunday. I thought, well, one of the things I can do is sit in, you know, there's like the first two or three rows is always like the spitting zone. Yeah. Nobody sits there. <laughs> yes. It's like this law in churches <laughs> that nobody sits in the first three rows. And I'm like, no, I'm going to sit at the very front and, and be an encouraging listener. <laughs> Um, so, um, it's, uh, and people just, I don't know, I'm, I, maybe I've just started coming across as wildly eccentric as, you know, an older English lady, but. Well, you were um, a goat herder for, you know. For, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, so, so that's been marvelous, I think. Um, and the other thing, which I'm sort of gradually training people out of is that when people say, oh, you're still young, you'll find someone. And I'm like, no, it's. I know you're saying that to be pastorally helpful because you want me to be happy, um, but it's okay because I'm not going to be married. It's it's fine. You don't have to, you know, try and pair me up with somebody. Um, and so I think that's just that's just a gentle sort of education piece because because some divorced people do actually want to be do actually want to find someone. Um, so uh, I think people just say it because they want you to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, and singles. I mean, as someone who's never married, uh, I think I think most people who know me are too scared to say it to me now because I'm kind of the, the singleness woman. But um, it's because <laughs> you'll go away and write a book on right. it. <laughs> but um, but it's a common story, you know, regardless of sort of the circumstances of your singleness. People in our churches do think, oh well, the the way for this, you know, to be better is for them to find someone. Um, and I can be an encouraging voice into that conversation. Um, but yes, as you've reminded us, it's not always the case that every single single person um, is actually looking or wants to be um, married. So, look, and it's what the it's what the world tells us. In every single film we've been brought up on, and and still Hollywood, the point of existing is to end up with someone. And so in our entire existence, every time you go out, every time you do anything, it's like, but where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity for coupling up? And so, um, and because it can be so, it's so prevalent in the Bible as well, um, that's where people think that you will get your biggest fulfillment and happiness. It's gently explaining to people that singleness is a legitimate lifestyle choice. As well as it being, I feel, theologically necessary, um, it is genuinely a, a legitimate lifestyle choice. Um, and that's okay. And just as fulfilling and just as God-honoring um, and just as faithful. Well, on that note, we need to wrap it up. Thank you for sharing your story with us. As we finish, you know, just leave us with with one, I guess, word of encouragement that you'd have 
for our listeners, whether they're single or married, I guess, as they seek to pursue Christ in their story as well? I think the main encouragement, and because this is the special sense of freedom and peace that I feel, is that the world tells us that any kind of sacrifice is bad, that any kind of restriction is oppressive. Um, and I feel a particular joy in being definitive about my single status and living for the gospel and for my children. And I feel that as quite a liberating thing. Um, and the sacrifice, if you want to call it that, of, of knowing that I won't be in a relationship again, I don't see as bad. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for sharing your single-minded story with us. I'm sure that there are many who are listening uh, who have been encouraged uh, and hopefully also challenged in a variety of ways as well to think about how um, God is at work in their story, whether it's a single story or a married story or a single again story. Um, but you've shown us the, the fruitfulness and the faithfulness of life in Christ um, uh, and life alongside him in your own life. So thank you for that, Ruth. We really appreciate that. No, I really enjoyed it, Danny. For our listeners, uh, don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Um, and please do spread the word about Single Minded Stories. If you're new to Single Minded, you haven't heard about us before, uh, you can check us out and all of our upcoming events, as well as watch all of our past conferences and events for free on our website, www.singleminded.community. And as a ministry, we do rely on the generous financial support of our community. So we'd love it if you'd considering partnering with us financially. To do that, go to singleminded.community slash give and you can find out all the information there. But thanks for listening and we'll look forward to seeing you for next week's episode of Single Minded Stories. Thanks for listening to Single Minded Stories. For more information about Single Minded, to access our resource library or to partner with us financially, visit www.singleminded.community. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and X. Thanks to Danny Treweek and John Lee, our co-hosts, Sarah Sarangallo, our podcast editor, and Aaron Talada, who created our theme music. Music